You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Coming to you from Podcast Land Studio is another edition of This and That with David and Brenda. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of our eclectic podcast where we talk about everything that's anything. We are addressing our loyal listeners of This and That Nation once again. Yes, we are. And we're doing it today on February the 23rd, 2020. Episode 42, Season 2. You are listening to the voices of Brenda, better known as Ms. Brenbren. And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. Hello, bonjour, hola. We got so many listeners all across this globe, and I don't know enough languages where I could say hello, greetings, but welcome to everyone, wherever you are. That's listening to our eclectic podcast where we talk about everything that's anything. Absolutely. And since you were giving the greetings, I think we should just walk right into the shout outs to our various listeners around the country and the globe. Yeah, let's do that. Now, let's start here in the United States with shout outs to Charleston, South Carolina. Sumter, South Carolina. San Francisco, California. And let's keep out west and do Colorado City, Colorado. Let's go international and let's say shout outs to Reading, United Kingdom. Oldbury, United Kingdom. Madrid, Spain. And Santa Comba, Spain. Now, of course, we cannot complete our shout-outs without doing a shout-out to the U.S. military who are located here in the United States and internationally so that we can thank them for their service. So a shout-out to all branches of the military, to the men, women, and canines for their service. Thanks to their dependents and Thank you to the civilian supporters that are located with them. Thanks for your service and thanks to all of the various support systems, military and civilian, that uh, help our military around the world. Shout out also to all first responders here in the U.S., Police Fire 911. Thank you for your service and uh, putting yourselves in harm's way. Again, we want to thank all. All of you who are listening, because you are taking time out of your schedule, your busy day, to listen to our free on-demand podcast, which they can find where, David? Well, as I like to say, it's available wherever folks listen to podcasts, and specifically that means it's available at several streaming services, podcasts, apps, and the like, including SoundCloud, our quote-unquote home base, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Play Music, 
TuneIn, and many, many more, including availability on all Alexa voice-assisted devices. Now, if anybody wants to send us a comment, ask a question, send us suggestions, where can they email us? They can send email to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, as in Nancy, that, all nine characters together, at sign aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And of course, after you listen to this podcast episode or any of the earlier podcast episodes, we hope that you will send us a comment, send us a question, send us suggestions, because we'd love to hear from our listeners. Exactly. We take the time to read all of the email that we get, good, bad, otherwise, and all the comments that people post online. And um, for those of you who do subscribe to the podcast and or listen other ways, yes, thank you for those comments. Um, Miss Brenda and I were reading one um, just last night, in fact, that was uh, posted online. So keep the comments coming. We also get, as those of you who have listened for a long time know, we get ideas for the, the show, improvements, etc. from your feedback. Now, if somebody wants to be included on our email distribution list, how do they go about doing that? The easiest way is to send an email to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com requesting to be added to the uh, email blast, and it will happen. Speaking of the email blast in this last one, we had a question of, is it too late to get a flu shot this season? And I know you know the answer to this, Miss Brenda, so let's go ahead and answer that for the folks. And no, it is not too late. Uh, flu season, I think, goes for another three months. Yes. And uh, so a lot of the doctors that we've listened to or may have even had a chance to speak with, they highly encourage people getting flu shots because uh, it's much easier if you get the flu shot and then if you become ill, you won't get as ill as you might have gotten if you had not gotten the flu shot. That is correct. So um, flu shot, as we say here in the U.S. and other parts of the world, they call it the flu jab, which is actually more technically accurate. But, you know, we're Americans, so, you know, we, we do our own thing with English sometimes. So flu shot, flu jab, or in some cases, um, it would be the, the mist if, if you can't take the shot. Um, but keep in mind and talk to your health professionals because um, there is differences between the mist and the shot. And a lot of people can't take the mist for a variety of reasons and have to take the shot and vice versa. And I think you also, when you talk to your um, doctor or medical provider, you need to find out if you're getting the live version of the flu shot or not because there are some people who can take the live version, but if you have certain types of chronic illnesses um, or conditions, you should not get the live flu shot. You can get a um, another version. But either way, you still have three months left to get a flu shot, so check with your doctor, check with your medical provider, 
um, and um, see if you should get the shot and or still can get the shot, I should okay. say. All right, so so we're clear with people since we, we got into this. I was trying to avoid it. The shot today, 2020, the shot is not live. The mist is live. The mist has live virus. The shot, at least in the U.S., the shot does not is not live. They went got out of the live virus shot in the U.S. a long time ago. Can't speak for the rest of the world. And only the mist is live virus. Yeah, so it doesn't here hurt in the to, U.S. It doesn't hurt to ask the question. Make sure you got the right information and, because nor David or I are doctors. We're not medical professionals, so you need to um, make sure you are working off the right information. Correct. And again, in the U.S., don't know about the rest of the world, in the U.S., make sure, even if you're just asking about the vaccine and any vaccine, there should be a sheet of paper that explains in plain language what the vaccine is all about, what it does, what it doesn't do, who should take it, who can't take it, and so forth, no matter what you're talking about. So make sure you get the sheet of paper that talks about the flu vaccine and talk to your health professional, whether it's a, you know, uh, a nurse or you're talking to your, your own private doctor, so on and so forth. Okay, David, what is our topic for today? We're keeping it on the um, topic of, of viruses, specifically um, what's known so far about the quote-unquote coronavirus. What do the, the professionals around the globe know about it? Is it still spreading? Is it not spreading? Is it dangerous? If it's dangerous, how dangerous is it? What can you do to prevent it? Is there a vaccine? So, so on and so forth. So we're going to go into the state of what is known about the coronavirus to date from the health professionals. Well, that's a timely topic for us to cover as there are a lot of rumors going around about the coronavirus. So why don't we go ahead and get things going so we can kind of set the record straight. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. So Brenda, you know that this um, quote-unquote coronavirus or coronavirus outbreak has been in the news. Wanted to just lay out for our uh, listeners in this and that nation what's known about it so far. Um, because there's a lot of disinformation about it, misinformation, and the like. So just lay out exactly what's, what's going on and where people themselves can go and look up at least the raw facts without having... Um, news anchors, reporters, etc. get in their way. Okay, so that you're going to um, get into this very important topic, uh, let's go back to uh, episode number 40, our technology edition that we did. Is there an app for this strain of the coronavirus? Yes, and that is where I myself get my information from. There is an app that was made by two French expats living in Taiwan um, during the Chinese New Year, which kind of was dull this year because of everything going on. 
they put together this app that draws in all this information from the World Health Organization, the CDC, governments, etc. And it displays it in chart form, a whole bunch of different things that are out there. And if you actually, it's a web app. And if you want to know the differences in apps, go and listen to episode 40, because I'm not going to get into what that, that means or doesn't mean. But it's a web app, and so you can use it in your browser just like it's a, a website. But if you actually install it in your browser, you get some added functionality. So you can um, actually subscribe to content. There'll be like Twitter feeds and some other information that comes up, news articles that you get, that you don't get if you just use it as a website. They um, curate that information. They don't just throw it out there. So they look at sources of that information and go, is it trustworthy, is it not trustworthy? Some of the numbers that they get from various authorities, they don't just put it into their, their app until they know it's been vetted. And the app itself has been vetted against, John Hopkins has, um, I'll call it an app for lack of a better, better term, uh, that they, John Hopkins University in, in uh, Maryland is using. And these numbers and those numbers jive. So folks in John Hopkins, the CDC, National Institutes for Health in the U.S. say that this is legit and you can use this data because they check it, you know, all the time. And it, it's checked out. Well, it's great that there is a responsible uh, source of information. That's that, open to the public. <laughs> that people, well, not just the public here in the United States, the, around but the world, around I mean, the world. Yes. John Hopkins stuff is internal to them. Which brings me to my other question. Just like CDC has their own, I'm sure, and World Health, etc. Um, this virus, which they are, which people keep calling the coronavirus. Which you know I know me that nuts. can't be right because <laughs> it drives me crazy as well. Because it's not the only coronavirus, right? Right. Saying the coronavirus is like saying the hospital or the church. Like there's only one church in your town or one hospital in your town or city or country. There are multiple. And there are multiple coronaviruses or coronaviri. And this is from WebMD's medical reference. You know, a coronavirus is a type of, it's a common virus, and it infects your nose, your sinuses, upper throat, upper respiratory tract, etc. I mean, the common cold is a coronavirus, right? Exactly. Most coronaviruses are very benign, and you, you're going to have at least one in your life that does something to you. And, you know, mostly you're going to pick it up when you're a small child. And, you know, as an adult, you, you'll continue picking them up. But you're going you're gonna to run into a coronavirus when you're, you know, very, very small to begin with. Now, there have been dangerous ones. And, like, SARS was a coronavirus. If people remember the SARS outbreak around 2002, 2003. And then um, MERS, which was SARS, happened in, in East Asia, like China, Taiwan, etc. MERS was SARS-like. It was another coronavirus that popped out of nowhere, but that was in the Middle East. It was Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. That's what MERS stood for. And that was around 2012 when, when that hit. And so when the coronavirus, which, by the way, has an official name now, um, it's called COVID-19 or COVID-19. That is the official name of this coronavirus. doesn't have a nice, sexy name. I have a whole theory about that that I'm not necessarily going to get into. Yeah, don't get into it. <laughs> Why it doesn't have a nice, you know, sexy name like SARS or MERS. But um, if you send an email to this and that about greatestcincinnati.com, I'll pro and ask. I'll probably send 
tell you my theory via email or maybe we'll talk about it next next time. The COVID-19 virus, as of today, February 23rd, the most updated uh, numerical information that we have, 78,959 people um, have been reported infected, 2,469 have died, 23,380 have recovered, meaning they no longer have um, symptomatics and they have the antibodies to show that they fought off the, the infection. And essentially that 2,469 persons who have died, that means the fatality rate is 3.13% and the recovery rate is 29.61% so far. And that fatality rate um, is actually lower than the fatality rate for SARS, the last big major uh, coronavirus epidemic that happened um, nearly 20 years ago. Uh, but it is higher than the death rate of the you know, infamous 1918 Spanish flu that killed you know, millions of people, tens of millions of people around the world. So that tells you if enough people get infected, the death rate could be, you know, rather astronomical, even with that low fatality rate. Now, David, those numbers that you've shared, I've heard on some news reports that the spread uh, of COVID-19 is stabilizing. Is that true? Um, no. That's just straight up no. And this is why, um, again, share the link for the app for people and they can look at the numbers themselves and look at the chart. And you can see that the charts are not leveling out with numbers of infection. And most folks who don't have a dog in the fight who are, um, and who've looked at other infectious diseases and like epidemiologists and people who are modeling this at various university hospitals around the world, like in London and the US and elsewhere in, in Europe, they all say that the Chinese numbers are probably much higher than what's being reported. So you gotta keep that in mind. And that means, all, that's why you have these jumps. There always an explanation for these jumps, but people don't really trust the Chinese numbers for, for a variety of reasons. One is, you know, they were slow out the gate with this, and number two, it's just kind of, people don't trust the Chinese authorities, especially the way they did SARS back in 2002, 2003, where they, they just kind of outright, I'll just say it, they just kind of outright lied about what was going on for a long, 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 long time. So people, they may not, obviously they're faster now, but people still don't trust the numbers. But if you just look at the chart, you can see that it is not leveling off in the, in, and um, there's some troubling signs, in fact, with the latest infections. In fact, don't just take my word for it. Let's hear from the um, Director General of the World Health Organization, um, Dr. Tedros, and the World Health Organization is based in Geneva. They give a news conference every um, um, weekday. I don't think they do weekends necessarily. And this is from Friday's news conference, Friday, February 21st. Folks can hear this stuff online as well because they, they post the, the things online and it's on YouTube, their own channel, plus various ones. And let's just hear Dr. Tedros part of his preamble, I'll say, before the start of the news conference. 
number of cases in Hubei province continues declining. We're concerned about an increase in the number of cases in Shandong province, and we're seeking more information about that. Outside China, there are now 1,152 cases in 26 countries and eight deaths. Although the total number of cases outside China remains relatively small, we're concerned about the number of cases with no clear epidemiological link, such as travel history to China or contact with a confirmed case. Apart from the Diamond Princess cruise ship, the Republic of Korea now has the most cases outside China. And we're working closely with the government to fully understand the transmission dynamics that led uh, to this uh, increase. We're also concerned about the increase in cases in the Islamic Republic of Iran, where there are now 18 cases and four deaths uh, in the last, in just the past two days. Uh, WHO has supplied testing kits and will continue to provide further support. Our concern continues to be the potential for COVID-19 to spread in countries with weaker health systems. Let's skip ahead a little bit on Dr. Tedros's opening remarks at the beginning of the Friday press conference and pick it up here. the global response to the epidemic and our new special invoice will help us to do that. This is another step we're taking to take advantage of the window of opportunity we have to contain this outbreak. Once again, the measures China and other countries have taken have given us a fighting chance of containing the spread of the virus. We call on all countries to continue their commitment for containment measures while preparing for community transmission if it occurs. We must not look back and regret that we fail to take advantage of the window of opportunity that we have now. I thank you. Okay. That sounded pretty dry and boring, and he's, you know, very even-keeled, I and mean, he's director general, so, I mean, this isn't his first rodeo with stuff. But the health reporters around the world who, who, you know, go to World Health Organization news conferences or call in or CDC, etc., they've kind of translate a lot of what he says, and, you know, this happens with, with politics and a whole lot of other things. And when they hear what what you and I just heard and our loyal listeners hear, they hear some concerning things. First, the piece about the infections in Iran and in Korea, what they're saying he's concerned, he's highlighting this stuff, and what he's not saying that's in the data is some of these infections, the people are getting infected by somehow, somehow without ever traveling through Wuhan or the hot zone, etc. Now, there the, was an Iranian who went to China and came back and, and spread the infection. But that Iranian did not go to Wuhan 
and did not come in contact with people who were in Wuhan. So they don't really understand what happened there. And in Korea, there's like hundreds of infections in Korea. Most involve the Korean, you know, megachurch. Some people say it's a cult. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But um, it, that's reported, so we'll just leave it there. Their members have gotten infected in large numbers. No one understands why. Because again, yes, went to China, but nowhere near Wuhan. And they did not come in contact with people who traveled into Wuhan. So that gets into the latter part of what Dr. Tedris said, where he says they're doing all these things and they're trying to take advantage of the time that they have, blah, 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 blah. Again, the health reporters that understand, you know, WHO, CDC speak are saying, Dr. Tedris is saying time is running out to contain the virus and nip it in the bud in China before it goes, you know, spreads everywhere and becomes a pandemic and starts spreading and has nothing to do with the initial points of contact and the like. And that the window of time is shortening to contain that. And that's that's what he's saying. And, and they believe he's kind of thrown that out there to the Chinese authorities because yes, they're in China, but if you listen, they hadn't, they hadn't as of Friday yet been able to go into Wuhan. They've been on the ground in China for over a week, but they're not in the epicenter and in the hot zone. That's a problem. So what, so do, what, you, are the what Chinese... do you mean they haven't been able to go into the hot zone? Just that. I mean, the they're asking people for their help. How can they help you if they can't get close to where all the infections are happening. I, I can't explain that. And we, we just would be speculating as to what, what the Chinese are doing or not doing in, in that case, why they didn't let people go in there. Now, within Wuhan itself, it is true. The number of infections, the number of people dying that are being reported are going down. But again, folks who are actually on the ground in Wuhan, just rare reports, they're saying those numbers may be a little bit deceptive because there's such a clamp on the city and the province as far as the quarantine. If you're really sick, um, you can't, and you live, let's say, 20 miles from the nearest hospital, and I'm just making up a number, how are you going to get there? There's no public transport running. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a major city, like, and people don't necessarily own private cars. You may have a car, but you can't, you, you're too sick to drive a car, uh, and, and so on. So how are you going to get to the hospital? So people are saying they're probably, they, they, they know for a fact in some cases, there are people who are sick in, you know, high-rise apartments or whatever, but they can't get to the hospital. And in some cases, people did go to the hospital, but there were no beds. Even with these two new ones, they have no beds. They've converted like um, stadiums and some other places. Um, there were a few photos that got out, some other things, before they started clamping down a little bit on that that showed they were just set up with rows and rows of hospital beds. So we don't really know how bad it is in there. And um, so that may be why. But again, it's speculation. But hopefully this weekend, Folks are going to get in into Wuhan and actually see see what's what because they they still don't really know where this came from and that's part of the rumors that are being spread around. You know, some people have come up with all sorts of crazy explanations as to what this is or isn't. I mean, so far it looks like it's just a normal coronavirus. And as I said in the beginning, you know, most coronaviruses are benign. Most of them lead to some form of the common cold. 
And um, that's why, my, my speculation, that's why no one bothered to worry about trying to figure out vaccines and other stuff for these things, because most of them were benign. It was until, you know, SARS hit that we had a coronavirus that was deadly. And, you know, by the time they, they figured out how to solve, solve that with a vaccine, SARS went away. And, you know, here, here we are almost 20 years later, and, and, and you know, history kind of repeats. We're going to have to go through the cycle and, and so on, as I, as I mentioned previously, to get a, a vaccine. I think that's all we have to say about the COVID-19 coronavirus. Think again. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. This and That on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other major podcast apps and services. We're back from our quick break. Let's continue with our discussion of COVID-19. Within Wuhan itself, the city, um, there has, that is where the epicenter was, and that's where the quote-unquote Whistleblower, as I, I mentioned previously, was and um, doctor ophthalmologist who posted on um, WeChat. I believe it was I believe it was WeChat in China. Hey, there's something going on here. Some sort of new type of illness. Blah blah blah. Is WeChat like Twitter? Uh, no, or Weibo. Like Facebook. Weibo's like Twitter. WeChat. <sighs> WeChat's like a cross between Twitter and old-fashioned kind of message boards that okay. most Americans didn't use. That's, that's how I would describe it. I think a lot of Chinese would, you know, not like my description of that, but that's how I think of it. But Weibo, Weibo is Chinese Twitter. But um, that doctor died, unfortunately. He became ill with coronavirus and died, and there was a, a huge national outcry in China to the point that they, the Chinese had to kind of suppress what was going on online and everywhere else because um, it was in, in their, you know, from their perspective, getting out of hand. Um, in the U.S. or anywhere else, it would just be, you know, normal kind of outpouring. But they were afraid, I think, of people being outraged that this guy blew a whistle and then he ended up getting sick. And, you know, if people had listened to him to begin with, you know, they may not be in the shape that they're in. No, isn't that the case? I think so, but you know, <laughs> you know, we we have the luxury of not living in a authoritarian regime. We have the First Amendment, etc. And there are a lot of places that are democracies that don't have the First Amendment. So you know, they, draconian measures apply in a lot, a lot of, a lot of times. Okay, well, I'm not going to get into the are we a democracy or are, are we a republic <laughs> discussion. But let's continue with COVID-19. Well, okay, yes, technically we're a republic with democratic uh, tendencies. We'll, we'll discuss that in the podcast one day. Um, but another doctor, as I mentioned, there have been lots of health professionals in uh, Wuhan who have gotten ill, um, 1,716 to be exact, 
had gotten ill, and um, a, a number of those folks had, had passed away. But uh, another uh, uh, person who was not in those numbers was a hospital director, not a director of one of the two new hospitals, but this was one of the, the um, existing hospitals in Wuhan that actually was set up. One of the things they were re renowned for was um, infectious disease control and the like. And the hospital director got ill and, and passed away. And um, that, that happened this, this past week. So you're still having health workers who are getting, getting, getting sick. And that's worrying as well because um, how, these are folks who, who are, are following the, the protocols around infectious disease control and they're still getting sick. And there's speculation that, you know, at least with the other health workers, they weren't wearing N95 type masks. They were just wearing regular um, surgical masks um, or what I would call like dental hygienist masks, things like that, or masks if you get ill. Um, and, and put a mask on to, to cover up your, your nose and mouth, but, but that wasn't helping the healthy people. That, that's been speculation around them, but some of these other folks, they're not, they're not really sure what's going on there, and that's concerning. Now, because the folks on the cruise ships weren't following infectious disease controls, should we be concerned? Well, let's talk about the cruise ships for folks who weren't weren't talking about, uh, weren't following this. Um, there was a cruise ship, the Diamond Princess, that docked in Japan and went through two-week quarantine and um, that, because they, they were coming from, from a lot of different places, including China, where they had stopped, and the authorities were the, afraid, the cruise ship folks were afraid they might be infected. So they were like, okay, incubation period is supposed to be 14 days, so they had a 14-day quarantine. Now, let's hear from health professional before we get into this about that. So, uh, Kentaro Iwata, Dr. Kentaro Iwata, is a professor at uh, Kobe University Hospital in, of all places, Kobe, Japan, which is actually a, a cool, nice place to visit. And essentially, he will describe the situation on the Diamond Princess, because he, he went there. Um, he was one of the folks called up um, um, since it was docked in Japan. He's an expert in Japan, obviously. And uh, let's, without further ado, hear from Dr. Iwata. I looked into the uh, several places inside the ship and he uh, found out that the cruise ship was completely inadequate in terms of the infection control. Uh, there was no distinction between the green zone, which is the free of infection, and the red zone, which is potentially contaminated by virus. Uh, I was in China in 2003 to deal with SARS, and I saw many febrile patients there. I never had fear of getting infection myself for Ebola, SARS, uh, cholera, because I know how to protect myself and how to protect others and how the infection control should be. SOD, I could do the adequate infection control, protect myself and protect others. But inside Princess Diamond, I was so scared. 
I was so scared of getting COVID-19 because there was no way to tell where the virus is. No green zone, no red zone. Everywhere could have virus and everybody was not careful about it. There was no single professional infection control person inside the ship and there was nobody in charge of infection prevention as a professional. The bureaucrats were in charge of everything. Every time I listen to that recording, Brenda, I get chills. This is a man who went into literally the hot zones of Africa. Well, you're not, you're not the only one who's getting chills. And he, this is the first time he was scared of catching something. And you, you they, don't hear too many medical professionals that will be that honest and say, they were scared. Exactly. I, I appreciate his honesty in, in others because we need we need more of that, I think, versus the, you know, nothing to see here, we got this under control control types. So it's not time to panic, but we need to know what what's really going on. And and Dr. Iwata, you know, was very I, I think reserved in what he said. In in plain blunt American English he essentially said the quarantine on the Diamond Princess was a bunch of hoo-ha. That they didn't know what they were doing. Is hoo-ha and the, a technical term? Yeah, hoo-ha is a very, very much a technical term. And that people did not know what they were doing. And I would describe it as the passengers who weren't infected were essentially sitting ducks for the virus. They didn't recirculate air. They didn't have control red zones, you know, meaning... That's where the infection definitely is, and only infected people should be there, and, and that's that, and green zone, and let's keep the green zone green, and we got this ship of 3,000-something people with recirculated air, especially for people who are in the interior of the ship, not near any windows. Who's preparing the food? Are they infected or clean? Is the count? I mean, it's just insane. He basically said those folks were sitting ducks. So and when the I health listen- professionals who went there, sorry, we're, we're in danger of getting COVID-19. So when I listen to what he, what he said, I have no confidence that the virus did not get off the ship with those who were supposedly healthy. Well, we know it did. Because when the U.S. evacuated the Americans that were on board the Diamond Princess, there were a number of Americans... 34, to be exact, who were infected. And the CDC and others did not want to take these folks back. But they, you know, in Japan, they, they were forced to do what the Japanese government told them to do. So somehow they came up with, you know, this steel container. I've never seen these until I saw a couple being used by the Chinese where they were literally throwing infected people into, like, steel boxes. And I thought that was just some kind of Chinese crazy thing. No, these are, this is what's done. And there's a picture that a passenger who was not infected on one of the charter flights shows where the infected passengers, and you know, it was either all 34 or they may have had to use multiple steel boxes, I don't know. They have these steel boxes where they put infected people in to, to isolate the infection from everybody else. And so they cleared out the seats from the back of the plane. This is why it kind of took a, a while to get them from the Diamond Princess to the planes. Because you're thinking, 
what's taking so long to get to the charter plane? It's like, you know, stamp their passports and get out of there. But they had to reconfigure the planes so that they could fly these infected people back with healthy people, but not infect anybody. So we know that there were infected people on there, but what we don't know is other folks, you know, Germany, you know, France, I'm just making countries up. We don't know how they took their citizens back because only people who were sick, if you turned out to be sick, you were taken off the Diamond Princess and you were taken to a hospital. How were you taken to that hospital? Were you taken some way so that you wouldn't infect the drivers of the ambulances and everything? Don't know. And then now the Diamond Princess is just one cruise ship. There was another cruise ship um, that started with W, I can't think of the name of it, that sailed around for t literally for two weeks until Cambodia was like, hey, you've sailed. nobody wanted to touch this, this vessel. And Cambodia, after, you know, it was like 14, 15 days, they're like, okay, yeah, you can, you can disembark here. And they let the passengers disembark. They didn't screen or do anything. You know, they just kind of shot, you know, pointed the laser pointer um, um, thermometers at people. If they didn't have a fever, it was like, okay, fine. If they had a fever, they might have looked at them a little bit more. And we know that an American woman went from there to, um, I believe, Malaysia. And when she got to Malaysia, they checked her temperature. She had a fever. They checked her out. She's got COVID-19. So we know that there were people infected because it, it doesn't, the, the epidemiologists, when a little bit that they know and they think their models are probably wrong because of these infections that happen in Iran and elsewhere, that it's probably higher spread. But the model that they had was um, if you're infected, on average, you're going to infect um, roughly three other people. And to give you, give you a sense of what that means, if you have measles, measles is highly infected, infectious. So if you have measles and you're, you're one person and you're in a crowd of people, you're going to infect at least nine people. This will give you a, a kind of numbers with how the infectious rate works with that. So they're looking at it like, you know, one third of the infection rate of measles, which is highly infectious. But they're thinking that it's probably a little bit even higher than that given how this thing seems to be spreading and they're not really sure how it's spreading. Well, I think it's spreading because people aren't being diligent about trying to contain it. When you hear stories about the cruise ship and what's going on over in Wuhan, China, and other places. So, of course, other people are being carriers of it and they're infecting people who may not have healthy immune systems and they're the ones who are getting the um the the COVID-19 virus. Right, and it's in 30 countries so far. Most of them in Asia, but it's, you know, obviously outside of Asia, it's in Europe, it's in the US, it's in Canada and so on. Um and the the problem I mean, I, again, I'm 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 no doctor, but that's just my suspicion. What the health professionals are most concerned about is because it's a coronavirus, the likelihood that it will adapt and mutate is quite high. And so if you don't kind of snuff it out or if it doesn't burn out itself, kind of like SARS is kind of burned out on its own. Um, and, you know, I'm not a infectious disease professional, so I can't tell you why that happens. But uh, sometimes that just kind of happens. Uh, they're afraid it might, they're afraid A, it might mutate and adapt, and it can go, is, is, is um, in the longer version of that, that press conference goes on for 45 minutes with uh, Dr. Tedros and company, and he says it can go either way, 
This is at one point, it's what he says. It can go either way and get really messy. That's exactly what he said. So mess is a technical term. And Brenda heard me while I was listening. It's going, what does he mean by messy? You can't just say that. Somebody follow up. What do you mean messy? David, so, you say hoo-ha. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not the professional in that 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 space. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a, you know, computer scientist, IT professional, and some other stuff, computer engineer. I am not an infectious disease specialist. So, yeah, can, I can say hoo-ha. You can say hoo-ha. Okay. <laughs> he can't say messy. All right, well. So, he, but he, he said he that. He said messy. He said messy, and I'm like, what do you mean by messy? And people interpret messy to mean it could mutate, and, you know, by mutate, it could spread more. It could, you know, the, it could become more fatal in various ways. Right now, it's really not affecting children. It's, it's for whatever reason, it's hard for them to catch. They're kind of speculating that... It's not that it's not infecting children. Because there have been some cases of some, but children getting the yes, virus. But, but given the investigations they've done with people who are around children like, they're saying it's very hard for children to catch it. That's, that's what they mean by that. It's not like everybody's an adult living by themselves or just, you know, married with no children. The children literally are not catching it. That's what they mean so far. Well, what the I think... The ones that have had underlying, have had other underlying issues at the time. What I think the doctor meant by messy is it'll become a pandemic. Well, no. No, this is what they mean. They mean either it'll mutate or it'll become like the flu. It'll become seasonal. And, you know, it will, it'll go away for a while and then come back every, you know, the next year and, and it'll be slightly different, that type of thing. That's what, that's what he meant by messy. That's what the, the health reporters say. That's what okay. messy means. So if it becomes, well, even if it doesn't become messy, how does one protect themselves from this? Well, very much like protecting yourself from the, the flu. So think, think what flu prevention is. And that's number one, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. So wash your hands because if you are infected, you want to wash your hands so you don't infect surfaces, you know, other folks or, you know, um, yourself. And it's like wash your hands. Also, before you wash your hands, don't touch your face, nose and mouth. Period. Because if your, your hands are, aren't clean and you touch your face, nose, and mouth, you pretty much guarantee that the virus is going work to its, work its will in your body. So that's the other thing to, to avoid as well. And also, you know, sneezing and coughing, they're fairly certain that those type of, you know, droplets from sneezing and coughing can infect people's surfaces, etc. So sneezing and coughing, coughing Cover your, your nose and mouth, and I would say when you cover your mouth, don't use your hands. Use the, the, use the, the pit of where your um, 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 bicep and forearm, sneeze into that, cough into that, not your hands, because then you need to wash your hands because your hands are infected. You're not going to, pretty much, you're not going to rub something with the, the pit of your elbow and the like. So you, that's just my, my, my tip on that if you sneeze and cough. Also, masks, it's controversial right now how effective masks are. If you're infected and you put a mask on yourself, that will keep you know, your mucus and cough droplets and, and sneeze droplets and everything else from spreading. So that's a good thing. But if you're healthy, 
Odds are, if you just get a normal kind of, you know, surgical mask, that type of thing, it's not going to protect you. And the proof is in the fact that all these healthcare workers that were protecting themselves just through surgical masks and the like, you know, 1,716 of them in China got ill. And they were following all the protocols, but they had these masks on. And they believe the droplets that carry the virus could be smaller and they're not blocked by these masks. Or if you've got facial hair, you're not, it's not going to seal properly. Or you might put the mask on and not seal it properly tightly enough. And um, they're thinking if you wear a mask, you know, an N95 mask, uh, so-called N95 rated mask is, is, you know, potentially the way to go. But um, again, masks are somewhat controversial as to whether, how effective they are or they aren't. The jury's still out on that. Now, when David says, wash your hands, the CDC recommends that you wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. Vigorously wash your hands. Yeah, scrub, yes. vigorously rub, get, I mean, wash your hands for 20 seconds. And if you don't have a timer around you and you're not sure how long 20 seconds might be, if you're like me, and you just don't have any sense of how long time is, sing to yourself a verse of happy birthday. If you sing happy birthday to yourself for the first verse, that equates to about 20 seconds. Wasn't that the whole song? Is there a second verse? Well, you know, you go, happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, happy birthday, happy birthday. Happy birthday to me. That's one verse. Next verse, how old are you? How old are you? Oh, I don't even think about that. How old are you? How old are you? Sorry. I'm not really sure that was 20 seconds. That seemed pretty fast. It's, it's close. To, you, well, you don't <laughs> sing it that fast. I'm singing, that, singing it fast in the interest of time for the podcast. Okay, I got gotcha. you. But if you were singing it at the normal rate... You're going to be close to 20 seconds or a little bit over 20 seconds. And if you're not sure, sing it twice. And then for sure, you would have gotten 20 seconds of hand washing in. Yes, vigorous hand washing. Soap and water, vigorous hand washing. Because that's the other thing. Hand sanitizer isn't going to be effective in this case. Because you're just sloshing stuff around on your hand and you're not necessarily going to get the virus particles off of you and there's nothing to say that that is gonna it is gonna be killed by whatever hand sanitizer you're using because most of them today should all be kind of sort of alcohol based the ones that had triclosan and some other stuff at least in the u.s were taken off the market uh, a couple of years ago do your own research do your own investigation exactly because like i said i'm not a doctor or a medical professional of any type. Exactly, and that's why we want to give you the tools. Again, going to post the um, the link to the uh, corona, the official coronavirus app, as they call themselves, the app for corona, um, uh, for COVID nineteen. So you can look at this data yourself, and including curated information that has been vetted by health professionals so that you can see um, latest, greatest updates, news stories, Twitter, etc. Um, about it for yourselves, unfiltered by talking heads on your laptop, computer screen, 
mobile phone, smartphone screen, etc. Comments? Send your feedback to this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Our 42nd edition of This and That is a wrap. In our efforts to inform, inspire, impact, we've dropped some knowledge today about COVID-19, otherwise known as the coronavirus. Onward and upward? Yes, Upload to the Cloud is commencing. Give us your feedback. Again, you can send that to the email address, this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com, as well as post comments wherever you are listening to this podcast, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, etc. Make sure that you share this with others because we want to get our information out to folks who are not just normal listeners but people who may have never listened to us ever before because they too might join you and become a part of this and that nation. Until the next time, everyone, all the best. Stay woke. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising please email us at this and that at about greater all rights reserved thank you and all the best